0: o tat bakawa had to somewhere some butats and not more tat a few uh, words on uh, the jitanupasana-satipatthana, uh, third foundation of mind, what is the jitta or the state of mind or the mood I think I found this very helpful of just contemplating, ask myself, what kind of mood am I in? Because it's so easy not to even know that you're in some, what kind of mood? It's easy just to mechanically live life, kind of wrapped up in your habits and reactions. Uh, Sometimes, I remember somebody, I was angry and I didn't even know it, somebody said, you're angry. And I said, "No, I'm not." <laughs> 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 so uh and I, and I thought I, you know I, I actually uh, didn't didn't want to be angry and uh, didn't like being told that, because I didn't even couldn't admit it to myself, but it's it's in admitting these things to yourself that you can resolve them. It's like, I think, in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, they say you can't really stop being an alcoholic till you actually admit, I'm an alcoholic, and that's uh, that's the beginning. And If you've known any alcoholics, uh, you know, you're the ones that won't admit it, you know. I remember in university I had a friend who was an alcoholic, and I said, I think you're an alcoholic, and he said, no I'm not. <laughs> You know, I can stop anytime I want, you know. and uh, he got very defensive and ang- and upset, angry because uh, he couldn't admit it to himself. So admitting things to yourself isn't, you know, is we're we're frightened of our own of the energies and the emotions and moods that we have and uh, I remember thinking how much uh, in my character would want to be you know have a nice life where everybody smiled and said everything's okay Uh, you know I live in a community where everybody uh, when I look out everybody smiles and says everything's okay Ajahn (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Savedo just tell me everything okay even if it isn't just, <laughs> just just pretend it is and and let's support this delusion so i think a lot of life does uh it is on that level just uh, not daring to bring up not daring to admit not daring to to contemplate uh, the way things are uh because uh, we feel so threatened or so frightened and and uh, a part of us doesn't really want to know. We aren't ready or we don't feel we can take it. Or we don't know who we are, we don't know ourselves, or don't understand things well enough to where we can. Uh, uh, we can uh, deal with, with um, what we think are bad habits or prob- personal problems. I think there's also a fear of insanity or being, you know, of of something w- basically wrong with oneself. Uh, a kind of anxiety about maybe, you know, there's a screw loose or I missed out on something when I was born, and I don't really want to know this, <laughs> <laughs> because when you look at yourself, you. <laughs> You, you don't really understand why you are this way, and oftentimes, uh, in, at least in my generation, when when we were when I was young, we never the men never admitted things. So you you played roles, you you acted out in a kind of macho style. You know, uh, I'm uh, nothing frightens me, kind of thing. You know, and. I'm not afraid of anything. Nothing frightens me, and you kind of give an appearance of being kind of invincible and tough. And and this was and when in the navy when we were, remember on this ship we, but he was playing this role. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're all saying we're tough, but actually I'm I'm really scared to death. (laughs) So I must be you know I must be the only one on the ship that really is. But I don't want them to know it because they'll—they'll—you don't know, know what they'll do to me if they find out. Now I think people are more willing to to admit uh, and to each other and and to to uh, and to oneself. And this isn't a admit, a admitting in a kind of self-confessional style uh, that's so popular these days on talk shows, but. It means listening to yourself, you know like like listening to the, the I am frightened or I do feel these these emotions or I do have these uh desires or um i do feel angry or whatever and and then to be able to to actually uh Reflect upon the feeling or the mood of that. Just like like fear or or uh, uh, doubt, a uh, mood like confusion. Uh, I remember uh, being someone who never, who really didn't couldn't bear to feel confused. So uh, so that I always wanted to to have a kind of certification of things. I wanted to know exactly and uh, and then I could, you know, tell me what to do. How do you do this? And what is this number? And what is, how many? And, and have everything neatly arranged and then I feel a sense of security from knowing the answers to all the questions. Uh, and then if I didn't, then this doubt, uncertainty or confusion would uh, you know would, I'd resist it. I'd always always trying to to get rid of it. But uh, what I think death is really, when you do feel uncertain or insecure uh, or confused by anything, to take the opportunity to contemplate the feeling to, to just kind of look inward. And I ask, what is it like? You know, this, I feel there's this confusion right now. I don't know what to do, what's going on, what to do next. Am I right or wrong? Are they right or wrong? Should I or shouldn't I? And then kind of listen and just observe the, uh, in, as, a, as a mood, as an object in the mind, without judging it. It's like this. And see what happens. Or something like doubt, uh, not knowing, and and this um, I, I developed into an art uh, of practice is dealing with doubt, uh, because doubting is a way to uh, to stop the thinking mind, It's like the uh, these koans, enigmatic koans that, that they've developed in Zen Buddhism. You know, they just they stop your mind the reason reasoning mind just can't you know whatever reasonable clever uh answer you fi- you figure out to those those impossible questions it's wrong <laughs> you get hit by the by the roshi <laughs> stopping the thinking mind uh, that and so not knowing something, not being sure who, uh, who am I, that kind of thing or um, just any, any kind of question or any kind of thing that will put you into the state of doubt. You can be aware of that gap in the mind where there's no thought. The space, the space between thought, there's a gap so that you, you you can actually use, uh, if you have a doubting nature, use that as a skillful means to develop the ability to know. Not knowing is like this: don't know, and then the mind, the thinking mind, stops. All these are uh, these are ways of of, of really reflecting upon uh, uh, the timeless or the absence of something, uh, and so like like deliberate thinking also deliberate uh, intending to think, not just uh, the proliferating thought, habitual uh, thinking, but deliberately thinking. And noticing the space between the words. Like, I am a human being. Before you think it, then you... There's a pause. You notice, you really uh, uh, notice this pause. Like waiting, isn't it? I. Then there's another, there's a gap. I am. There's a gap. A there's a gap. <laughs> Human two-syllable <laughs> gap. <laughs> <laughs> Being <laughs> finished, nothing. And then you're noticing the space, the, the absence in the beginning, the, sca- the gaps between, and the and the and the, uh, and the uh, when it's finished, there's nothing. So you're getting used to noticing. Paying attention to nothing, or to no thing, or to to gap, to a gap, or to uh, where the the thinking mind is 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 not there. There's a gap instead. Now this this um, this it helps you to develop this connected mindfulness, so that your the, the mindfulness isn't just coming from um, b- being aware of, of uh, sensations or or obvious uh, or, thing, or being being aware of things, but also being aware of nothing and of the background, the emptiness, the space, the silence. Because these these aren't are, these the, the the background the silence emptiness are aren't people uh, you know the the conditioned mind isn't isn't conditioned to notice you have to awaken to notice that you have to put forth a kind of you have to take an interest in it in order to even though it's obvious once you because it's here and now, you're not making it up, but you're suddenly noticing, awakening to the way it is. So in terms of like uh, the mood, contemplating, what kind of mood am I in? And I can I can tell, you know, I can go into the body, I can see if there's anxiety or I feel kind of dis dissatisfied or I feel ill at ease or I feel um, uh, just um, feel something's wrong or something's not right or or I feel happy or I feel uh, very positive whatever whatever the the mood the kind of internal atmosphere you can be aware of that the the knowing of that as a as an object that you can observe, and once you you really get used to observing the mood, then you're no longer uh, just a, a victim of moods. You you're not just uh, resisting or indulging or whatever in in the mood that you're experiencing. Now this, uh, in what we call uh, uh the the uh, the foundation of mindfulness on the state of mind. So There's a foundation of mindfulness to know what what kind of state of mind you're in, the way it is in terms of the the quality of the mental state, and. Like when uh, when one is one doesn't have any 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 escape from the condition, then one is more or less subject to try to manipulate and change the moods and and think positively to make you feel better or 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 you know kind of uh, escape and and uh, rearrange everything to make it look better or feel better, but the the uh, the 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 uh, religious goal is the escape there is an escape from suffering there is an escape from the condition the and the born and the created and originated so in the buddha this is a this is a another one of my favorite quotes i think it's from the uh, Udana or Sannutani where they this uh, this is a per- this is a perfect statement, and in, in regards to a metaphysical uh, proclamation, the Buddha made. Uh, there is the I'm just paraphrasing it, but the, there is the unborn, uncreated, unoriginated. If there was not the unborn, uncreated, unoriginated, there would be no escape from the born, the created, the originated. But because there is the unborn, uncreated, unoriginated, there is an escape from the created, the born, the originated. Well, I mean, think that, that says it very clearly, isn't it, that, that in, in uh in very basic... Terms, you know, it's not—it's not in uh, in a kind of mythological language. It's about—it's uh, using terms like conditioned, unconditioned, created, uncreated, original, originated, unoriginated. So, that's another one. The gates to the deathless are open. That's one. <coughs> then uh, there is an escape. From the created, the born, the originated, because there is the uncreated, unborn, unoriginated. I mean, well, this is these are they, this is uh, you know uh, this uh, uh, says that 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 this escape is 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 encouraged to get out to to free oneself from uh, being bound and caught up in this endless. Uh, Death-bound state, because you know, when you really contemplate it, when you, that, if you're attached to the five khandhas, and and that's all there is, you're you're attached to death, aren't you? Everything, your thoughts, your memories, your feelings, your body, everything is going to die, to cease. So you're what, when people think they're attached to life, they're actually attached to death. Contemplate that one. People that are fascinated and, and seek uh, endless, uh, you know, attachment to the conditioned realm are really attaching to death. Even though they say their life, they're, they love life. But do they really? Mm they like the the, uh, the the maybe a part of what they consider life and or is is there eternal life you know, these are the these are, this isn't buddhist uh, terminology but death is about the the conditioned realm that's all it's about the five khandas and that five kinds, those five categories, include every every condition you know that you can that you're going to be involved with in this lifetime. So this is where this uh, this examination and reflection on the on these five groups uh, allows to change our. Attitude towards them instead of seeing them in a, in this personal way as me and mine, and and and, and trying to uh, find a, a kind of or a, you know without and really understanding these five groups, then we do we are kind of expecting to find uh, meet the the perfect person and we'll live happily ever after or. Or that once we, get, uh, once we get lots of money, we'll be really happy. Or once we get everything we desire, then we'll, we won't have any more desires. Or, you know, there's always this, this, this kind of fairy tale or uh, kind of naive hope that, that the fulfillment of desire will be the answer to our, our suffering. Once we get everything, then everything will be okay. It's interesting to see how, you know, to to see how people do like the people that do have everything how okay are they you know are they is are they uh, is that something that is worth spending one's life trying to do is to just get fulfill all your desires and it doesn't take that much reflection to see that it's, it's you know it's a bit of a waste because the desire as long as desire is your your uh, attachment, your delusion, and it will always uh, perpetuate itself. You get momentary gratification, is about the best you can expect. And when you get what you want, for that moment you feel gratified. And then it starts again looking for something else. And uh, it goes on and on and on. Because the, the basic problem is the identity and attachment to desire but our true nature isn't that isn't desire isn't death so you do have statements like uh, you know that uh, no one ever dies there are just conditions changing and then in the conventional liberty, well, everybody dies you know Mother Teresa died Princess Diana died uh, my mother and father died Adan Shah died Buddha died a lot of deaths this year 1997 Gambira Muriel Clark died Nina Coltart died the only thing is a conventional death. Um, that we that we we see in a in, in the conventional way, but then in terms of, of uh, when you're examining the five khandhas, then you then you realize the five khandhas that's their nature to cease because they arise and and so that is the pattern of conditioned phenomena: the arising, the cessation, the inhalation, the exhalation, birth, and death. Then where is this unconditioned, unborn, uncreated, unoriginated, deathless, Amravati? This is only, you know, this isn't the place here, it's called Amravati. But people still die here, deathless realm. But you find the Amravati, you have to realize the Amravati or the deathless realm. So then you 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 have to uh contemplate that in this moment now if it's if it's timeless apparent here and now timeless what can it be in terms of experience now So that's where this idea of practicing in order to get something in the future, or practicing for personal improvement, or operating from the basic delusions, you always end up with suffering. And then meditation, no matter how much you strive and work to, to uh, and discipline in how many hours a day you sit and so forth, and you... You, if you still operate from the basic delusion, you end up with suffering as a result. So you can't, you can't get enlightenment through ignorance. So the, so then the, then of course the, the way to realize or to be enlightened is to awaken to the present. That's why I, I keep encouraging this, trusting more in your ability to listen, to be in a state of, of just simple awareness in the present. We're not used to, to sustaining that. I mean, it, it it seems difficult because we are programmed for passions, for going up and down the scale of greed, hatred, and delusion and all the Variations, permutations, extremities. But that which is aware of the passions and the extremities, so of uh, the like the, with the four foundations of mindfulness, the patana where you're establishing mindfulness on on just the physical. Well, and you can also you know just contemplate the changingness of. I remember having wonderful kind of insight into impermanence just by uh, observing the changing of the seasons or the day the, the day to night. I remember in Thailand years ago, watching the dawn come as I sat on the porch of this little hut and and just contemplated. Just it was with the the as the you know the the how as the dawn came, the darkness disappeared, changing the stuff, uh, that, that one experienced visually just in terms of the, the time of day or night. That kind of reflectiveness, uh, witnessing to impermanence. But that which is aware, the constant factor in all experience is, is the mindfulness. You can be aware of the the arising of a condition like a, an inhalation rise it begins reaches a peak and and then it then the exhalation begins and then ends and that that which is aware of the arising and ceasing. Well, that's just to say for the breath, but of being aware, say, of mood. Because moods are not permanent. Then you will not find a permanent mood that you uh, you know, but you, you can be aware of whatever mood you're in, it's going to, it's changing. And then you really uh contemplate and are patient enough and willing to sustain attention attention to the mood it's you know it's a very kind of uh, you know it, it, it is definitely impermanent it has you know, it, you know it can't it isn't a solid block uh, it isn't even as real as a as a rock and yet the moods are if we don't if we don't uh, recognize them, then they influence how we, how we experience life. We're always uh, either indulging in them or resisting them. <coughs> so the the amrabati, amra is uh, means deathless, and the means realm. Uh, that. That is uh, that is a, a, a word to reflect upon it? In, to contemplate in terms of your own experience. And when you think about yourself as a personality, then you this seems an impossible thing because uh, it you know we we're not uh, my personality uh, would just in, be endlessly caught up in doubt about it the conditioning of my yeah. mind. And my moods. If I just follow my moods and my um, mental and emotional conditioning, then I just you know I come all over the place. But as soon as I awaken and pay attention, then I, my relationships changing to 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 the conditions from being caught and deluded by the conditioned realm to observing it to being a witness, being the knower. In the state of knowing, being aware of the changingness of conditioned phenomena, and behind all conditioned phenomena is uh, is the unconditioned. That's why, like the silence, is a it's a it's a background. It embraces. It's not a condition in itself. That 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 you. That you uh, that will annihilate another condition, because you can, if th- condition, you can only have one at a time. You know, you have A, B, C. But when you're in the intuitive, when you're using uh, intuitive awareness, then that is is in the 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 embracing background where the conditions are in perspective. They are the way they are. They feel and they move and they seem and they're like this. They are what they are, but then they, 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 they end. They cease. On the personal level, it's, uh, you know, one is, uh, uh, I think, uh, I can see, uh, you know, be afraid of all this because it, it, uh, it, it, enlightenment or realizing the deathless and that can can be a kind of, uh, we can see it as a kind of overestimation or fear of, of, uh, of deluding ourselves. Uh, sometimes we, we uh, we tend to uh, prefer to think of ourselves in negative terms because we feel humble, and and we think uh, that that uh, that being humble and admitting our faults is is somehow being honest. So people do uh, do endlessly kind of uh, like to think of themselves in through the through what's wrong through through their. Uh, blemishes through their faults, but that has, we have to let go of that—that that luxury of being uh, a kind of damaged person or uh, uh, a helpless victim of circumstances. You know, the cult of the victim, you know, my. My mother never loved me, kind of thing. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, that's why I'm the way I am, and to kind of justify yourself and, and your weakness. I never had the the opportunities that you've had, or whatever, and not to, you know, not not seeing them, that is, uh, not, not trying to make fun of that, but point out that if one is attached to, to those roles, then, then you will experience life always from that, in, in that way. But there is an escape. There is a release from that, from the suffering of delusion, from the power of the conditioning, but, uh, and from the delusions, from the ignorance, and so, like the awakened one, uh, the the Buddha, and then we think, well, the Buddha did it, but then Buddha becomes, you know, like that was two thousand five hundred forty years ago, and uh, we. Uh, you know, we've just heard about it. we don't know we did we didn't know Gotama the Buddha. So we so, so is uh, you know, maybe it's one of those uh, things they make up in the past. maybe there wasn't any gotama of the Buddha. Like the, these endless discussions about did Jesus Christ, did he actually ever did he actually ever live? Or was he the Messiah? Was he just a, a revolutionary, or a zealot, or a Middle Eastern terrorist? <laughs> oh, what a you speculate endlessly about about whether Jesus Christ existed or not, or Buddha. But you know, if you practice and and you. Develop mindfulness, you know, it doesn't matter whether Buddha ever existed, because the teaching, uh, you know, you, the teaching works. It's not We aren't demanding historical accuracy or, or to verify the facts, but does it work? Does it actually, is there an escape from suffering? Do you know when there is? Do you know when there is no suffering? And and you, you can know this. You can know non-suffering, and you can know uh, know the the, uh, the way of non-suffering. Now, in reflecting on the state that we're in, then then. It's very important to see, like, like the chanting we do in the morning about the, the realm of suffering, that this, this realm we, we live in as a human uh, individual is, is basically a realm of, of, uh, that is forever changing and is, uh, it, it is karmic, so it, the things depend, everything depends on something else. There's no kind of independent conditions that operate. Everything is interdependent, interconnected. So, so then it's like this, and, and having a human body is like this. It gets old. So it's a natural condition. Old age, the aging process of the human body is, is what they call natural suffering, natural unsatisfactoriness. I didn't create this body. This is not, you know, I didn't. It is not, not my creation. It's a it's a condition that that operates according to the laws of nature. Now I can create suffering around the aging process of this body if I want. You know, people do, don't they? The the all the 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 cosmetic industry and. And all the whole, the whole uh, millions, billions, uh, you know, people pay billions for cosmetic surgery and have everything changed around, you know, to get the lines out and look younger and so forth. It's because the one doesn't We're so identified with the body that when it starts getting old, you, you suffer. Suffer from from the from what is natural. Well, if you know, in terms of the present, you know the uh, the Buddha in the the historical Buddha got old, but he didn't suffer. He got he had sicknesses, but he didn't suffer. Uh, he didn't suffer when his body died, and he didn't suffer when. He was blamed for things he didn't do, and he didn't suffer about all, all the. Uh, a lot of terrible things happened to the Buddha after his enlightenment. I mean, he was, uh, uh, you know, the, you read the, the history of the Buddha, in the, according to the scripture, and he had to put up with a lot of really miserable conditions, R- difficult monks and. And he read the story about the bhikkhunis and all the things, the things they used to get up to, and the monks and the, and the uh, you know, he's attacked by a drunken elephant and his cousin <laughs> yeah. trying to to kill, murder him, and all these. I mean, really horrific stories. Uh, and yet the Buddha did not suffer. Was he just impervious? You know, it didn't matter. You know. Just didn't didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> didn't feel a thing. <laughs> but you do feel. You do feel the the aging process, the pain of of, of disease, uh, the discomforts, and the and and you do feel uh, the. You know when things go wrong, and you get blamed, and for things you haven't done, or you, or things, you know, difficult situations, and death of loved ones, you feel all this. There's this natural feeling that comes, but do we create suffering around it? So this is where, you know, you 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 know the difference between the way it is and what uh, as as just the the. The vipakamma of the present so is like this, and then you can decide whether you want to suffer from it or not. So, what is suffering really is the is the atta- caused through attachment to these conditions, and but once the once there isn't attachment then you still feel there's still the natural feeling in the the way it is but and the vipaka kamma of your life when it when uh, the which means that whatever happens to you, you you feel it, you you're aware of it and it and it uh, you feel it in your heart, but you do not create Anger, resentment, resistance, blame, self-pity, fear, desire around it. So in order to to have that confidence and that strength, then Mm. you, uh, you know, you're, this, this type of meditation is helping us to really get that perspective very, very clear because it's quite precise. It's not fuzzy or or uh, or just kind of you know maybe and possibly. But it's quite precise when you when you see it. The the difference between suffering and non-suffering. But you have to realize that for yourself. It's not anything that that can be. Uh, given or not even ask you to believe it, but to 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 examine to look into to notice the way it is patience also encourage you towards uh uh, develop using using uh, experience uh, to develop patience because the modern life is, is not patient. We have a technology and a, and a and, you know, really uh, strong uh, desire to be efficient so we can get what we want immediately, not have to wait for it. Uh, we don't like waiting for things. I have a desire for something, I want it right now, instant. (laughs) And they say, sorry, you have to wait. (laughs) How long? (laughs) (laughs) And at one time, you you live in, like uh, living in, uh, uh, say, in Thailand, in the in the Isan, northeast Thailand, before it, it modernized, and, and people were much more patient because they had to be. You know, there was a uh, they didn't have the technology. You had to spend time, you know, just waiting and and uh, doing things in a certain way, and and the season seasonal changes, and and you didn't expect to have everything. Uh, uh, kind of uh, every desire fulfilled instantly. So in the old uh, kind of uh, uh, agrarian style third world uh, societies, uh, people did develop patience as a natural kind of virtuous quality that came with uh, as a necessity in order to survive. But n- now we, we've developed this, uh, this uh, um, technology where we don't have to wait very long. And we do create suffering around it if the computer breaks down or the virus gets in or the, we suffer about things that people didn't have, didn't suffer about at all 50 years ago. You know, if, you're, if the electricity goes off, and your computer stops. People get into real estate over things like travelling <laughs> <coughs> A traveling, um, uh, you know, like international travel, you know, you think. People, you know, a hundred years ago, it used to take, uh, to go to Thailand from the UK, from England, take uh, at least a month or so to go by ship and, uh, you know, and you, you didn't expect to, to maybe, you know, go, go back and forth very often hundred years ago. But now people get very upset if the plane is late, <laughs> isn't on time. Because we expect, isn't it? We, we expect uh, efficiency and we want things to to work efficiently and uh, to be able to count on things being on time and, and things not kind of, uh, you know, getting in the way or or being uh, prevented from getting what we want when we're expecting it and when we want it. So I just encourage this this. Uh, the bringing your attention to the fact that that why there's so much stress in a in a society that, that that's aimed at trying to create a technology to make life easier. We've actually made it much more stressful is the irony of it. La, uh, Labor-saving devices I remember we used to call them so that, that the housewife wasn't stuck in the kitchen all day Having to wash clothes, wash dishes, and and cook food, and do all these tedious chores day after day, you have electric uh, washers, dryers, uh, um, microwave ovens now, and you've got uh, dishwashers, and 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 you've got so so that you're not kind of having to spend all this time doing these tedious chores. So you've got more time for what? computers and <laughs> traveling and and uh, and worrying and, and and feeling stressed out mm-hmm. getting involved in all kinds of things that you wouldn't be able to before when life was much more kind of basic and to draw the water from the well and uh, you know then you had to heat the water over a Fire or some sort to get hot water, and and you more like your day was involved with just learning to do the very basic things necessary for survival in, as a family. So the stress is that we we you know we do have all these labor saving devices, a kind of miraculous technology, but then we we fill our time up with. With activities that cause us endless uh, and create other problems, stressful psychological problems. So, in in your life, also notice this. That you know, to in terms of integrating practice into daily life as lay people, one of you know, I advise you to try to simplify uh, things trying to uh, to uh you know use time not for just filling in time with busy things and activities or distractions but having more free time to develop meditation in your daily life and and, and really see that as a as something to really treasure and respect rather than than put meditation as a kind of uh, something you do In a routine way, uh, before you go to work in the morning, or you know, we can we can if we if we just regard meditation as as something you just do, like when you have the time for it. After a while, you won't have time for it anymore. I guarantee it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It'll be you know because it's easy to to make every worldly thing much more, it seems much more urgent than the meditation. Because meditation looks to people like you're just sitting there, not doing anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, your family, your family yeah. <coughs> He's just sitting there, not doing anything. Just sit there. And what good is that? You know, he could be, he should be doing something. So that's the kind of society we live in. We we have to accept that the value is just the way it is. But for for yourself, if you're really interested in developing the meditation, then see it, make it into give it an important place in your see it, a, a, you know, really uh, develop a lifestyle in a way that that you have uh, opportunities for. Silent reflection for developing, uh, say, samatha meditation, and and uh, developing vipassana, and then integrate that into daily life. So you learn a lot, like like uh, just learning a lot about uh, just how the way it is in terms of. Like with Jitana Pasta, you can be aware of what you're feeling. So you, you, you know, in regards to other people, what you feel about, uh, you know, how you're feeling about your, your husband or wife or children or people you, you work with, whatever, the neighbors. Which doesn't mean you make anything out of it. You just notice it. So so that if, like, if, if you're married, if, if your husband, uh, if you, 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 you know, you feel anger towards your husband, you can at least notice this, that right now there's anger. It's like this. Rather than uh, getting caught up in, in blaming your husband or wife or trying to not admit it, trying to pretend you aren't. Resisting it; those are the two extremes. But just through through admitting it doesn't doesn't mean it's it's you know the permanent relationship, or it means anything other than it's like this. And that helps to relieve the tension because you're not caught in in an endless kind of you're blaming, and then you then pretty soon you know you you just anger uh, when you anger somebody then. It's hard to think of, remember anything good they've ever done. Isn't it? When you're really angry with somebody, you can't remember that they've done anything worthwhile or useful in their life. <laughs> but everything they've ever done wrong, you can remember accurately. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> or if you're, you know, infatuated with somebody, then you can't, you can't, uh, you don't want to think about any, that there's anything wrong with them. So you, you, you think, oh they're wonderful and they're, oh the, well, they do have their faults but you know it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, you can just brush it aside. But when you're angry then it's, you know, every little fault really matters and, and, and takes a significance. But the, if we recognize these, then, then and, and admit this and understand it, then we do not create suffering around the relationships that we have with other human beings. Then the 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 uh, willingness to bear with. Uh, the, the unpleasant or the nasty side of life with, as they in your own mind bad thoughts resentments uh, all these, these kind of negative emotions by, by uh, you willing know, really to, to let them be conscious but to let them be the way they are to trust in your refuge that you can just let them be this way, and and you're not trying to, uh, and you're not you're not creating like guilt and and uh, or resistance. But this is what this is the way it is, and it and it still feels, you know, it still feels this way. So if it's a bad thought, it still feels bad. It doesn't change the the feeling. But your relationship to it is one of, of say, metta, patient, acceptance. And then that, that, that helps, that allows this condition to cease, in which it, it, it's resolved, it's like it, it ceases. It's, you're, not, you're not pushing it down to where you're connecting to it again. Like suppression is, you're really connecting, everything you're trying to resist and get rid of you're touching your your physically, you know you're mentally physically connected to it so so trying to uh, to just resist everything and suppress you create karma with that so that's why anger when you're trying to resist it and get rid of it you're actually feeding it you know you're you're making it stronger fear also Is fear uh, that experience, which is a very natural uh, emotion. There's a lot to fear uh, in life. A lot of things to be frightened of. And so, um, this, uh, in terms of you know uh, one's own vulnerability, you know the physical body can be hit by a car, or uh, you know somebody could beat you up, or Things like that, but then also we can be, you know, just insulted and and uh, offended by by what people say or how they look at us. So there's, you know, the, we the, because of the sensitive state we're in, we, we we naturally fear have a lot of fear and anxiety around being hurt or damaged by the other condition. So in terms of, of recognizing fear, admitting it, and, and feeling it, it's, it's like when, when I began to really <coughs> observe this emotion upon, that I could, uh, you know, that, that then uh, fear has this, is, has this kind of like uh, it has power over you as long as you uh, it makes you frightened. So, it's like, you know, it really can can control you, and manipulate you by, by, uh, when, and you, you know, if you say boo and you go, on, then I have power over you every time. So, I go boo and you go, on. <laughs> 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 and I have power over you. I can, I can, you know, I can uh, frighten you. But if if I if I go boo and you you don't aren't frightened you just look at me and then I have no power over you anymore. You you uh, you've disempowered me. <laughs> but if I if I can keep you frightened and anxious and worried and and uh, then I have control over you. That's how tyranny works, isn't it? These tyrannical governments where they send people off to Siberia <coughs> or murder lots of people or people disappear in the night and you hear rumors and, and uh, uh, these uh, tyrannical systems, have how do, they, how do they last so long? Because they, they have power by making everyone frightened. And that, that gives you you know, that, that gives you the power over somebody by keeping them frightened. Making them frightened of you. But once you, you 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 the 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 person's frightened, once he he or she no longer sees through that then you're disempowered. You can't you lose that ability. So seeing realizing the deathless and that is also the experience of fearlessness. It's fearless. So there is a way out of an escape from fear and from from the uh, from delusion, from ignorance. There this is there, this is and this is an and how and, and where is this escape? You know, it's in here. <laughs> it's something to realize yourself. So I offer this as a reflection. <laughs>